0: Hi everyone, this is Jessica Chen, and you are listening to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Each episode is meant to teach and inspire you to find new ways to level up your speaking skills. Because here's the truth, it's possible, and I'm so thrilled you're here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. Now let's get into it. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Today's guest is Heather Hansen, and we are going to be talking about how to advocate for yourself at work. It is a topic so close to my heart because advocating for myself was not something that I was ever taught how to do. But it didn't take long for me to see that if I didn't learn how to do this well and often... Things were just going to pass me by because here's the truth it's not necessarily what you do, it's what you can show for it. And advocating for yourself is how you can get the things you want. We have so much we're going to be talking to you all about, and I'm so excited to get into this. So let's get started. Hi, Heather. Hi, Jessica. Hi, everybody. So glad you're here, Heather. So I know I did a very quick intro of who you are and the work you do, but please tell our audience, the almost 90 of you all who are here live right now, please tell the folks who are you, what's the work you do, and how do you even get started?
1: So for 20 years, I was a trial attorney, and I defended doctors and medical malpractice cases. And I recognized that while I was really good at advocating for my clients in the courtroom, I was... T- Terrible at advocating for myself outside of the courtroom for more money for raises, for more help at work, for more help at home, for more fun, for more time, for more support. And I started to recognize that if I used the tools that I used in the courtroom, I could actually make myself better at advocating for myself. And I started to do that, and my entire life changed. So now I've written two books. The first book's called The Elegant Warrior, the second one is Advocate to Win. I've started a podcast called The Elegant Warrior. And I spend a lot of time training and coaching and speaking on how anyone can use the tools of a trial attorney to advocate for whatever it is that they want and get it.
0: My favorite part of listening to experts like you is I love it when you take kind of what you learned in your former, you know, I'm not even former, I mean, as an attorney, right, a trial attorney, and I love how you can take the things you learn in that industry and apply it to a broader sense, right? In this, like, it can be relevant for anybody. Okay, so Heather, I just have to ask, what can you do? What, How do you learn to advocate for yourself? What have you learned as a trial attorney that people can also implement for their everyday life too? So it
1: really comes down to, and I'm sure many people in the audience know that storytelling is a big thing right now. People talk about, you need to be able to tell your story. You need to be able to tell a story. And I agree with that. But what I always say is, Facts tell, stories sell, but advocates win. So in order to do that, I have a technique. It's called the C technique because you want to change what people see. So the S is story. Yes, you have to have a story about why you should have that thing that you want, whether it's a raise, a promotion, more resources, more support. And then you need to collect evidence to support that story. And then you need to have an energy of belief and credibility so that people actually believe you. So when you use that C technique, when you have a good story and you back it up with evidence and energy, you become a really strong advocate for anything it is that you want.
0: Okay, so much to unpack. It sounds so simple, C, right? Like S-E-E, it's like, okay, I get it. And I think the folks who are here right now, you know, perhaps are even writing this down, like, okay, C, this is how I need to think about how to advocate for myself. But even if we back up a little bit, Heather, okay, storytelling, evidence, and energy, right? That's what C those that's what C is. Yep. I'm just curious how did you even think about those are the three essential pillars essentially for advocating for yourself? So I have spent a lot of time sort of trying to get to that like
1: what is the basics of what I did in the courtroom and I was recognizing that storytelling wasn't enough you know you can tell a really good story but most of the time whether you're trying to make a sale or get an investment or get a client or get a customer or get a raise there's another story being told it might be the story that we don't have enough money it might be the story that we like your competitor better and so what i realized is the difference the thing that in the courtroom there's always two stories. There's my story and then there's the other side story. And what makes the difference is the evidence that you use to support your story and the energy that you put it forward with. And so it was in thinking about this, working with clients, giving keynotes, responding to their questions that I was able to really hone in on what it was that we did in the courtroom. And to be honest, Jessica, what I think it really comes down to is evidence. People are not used to thinking about evidence. They're not used to playing with evidence. They're not used to using evidence. But the truth is, you have evidence, you collect it every day, you create it every day. And you need to do that intentionally and deliberately in order to support whatever it is you're asking for.
0: Whenever I think of advocating, and again, this is a topic also close to my heart. In fact, I also talk about advocating and I teach folks how to do that. I feel like it's, it's something that It's easy for us to advocate for people we care about, right? Mm -hmm. When we think about our family, our friends, right? It's like, of course, we care about them. We love them. We want to do it. But why is it that when it comes to us, our own careers, that we find it so hard? Is it because we don't like talking about ourselves? Like, what have you discovered why clients... Find it so difficult?
1: I think it depends on the person. There are studies from Harvard Business Review that show that women actually really struggle with advocating for themselves. Now, some people don't have any problem with it at all. They love to talk about how great they are and how much value they bring to a situation and good for them. But I do think that some of us are really used to getting behind other people, tooting other people's horns, and aren't as comfortable as doing it for ourselves. And sometimes we think, and a lot of times this is what I see with my clients, and I know that this is something that I did myself as well, we think our good work, our good behavior, the things that we do are enough of an ask. You know, if I come to work early, and I leave work late, and I do all the things that I'm supposed to do, and then some, and I take on tasks that I'm not paid for, of course I want to raise. I shouldn't have to ask for it. You should just want to give it to me. And so then when you don't get the raise, because you haven't asked for it much less advocated for it, which is a little bit more than asking, then you get resentful and bitter and your energy changes. And so you've got to recognize that your good behavior, your fabulous work, that's all evidence. But if you're not asking for what you want, that evidence is going to waste. So you need to actually get behind it. I actually, in my second book, Advocate to Win, I have a chapter on how to sort of do this because there are studies that show that if we remove ourselves from the situation a little bit, like when we're advocating for others, Mm -hmm. we become stronger advocates So you can do that by creating an alter ego or pretending that you're advocating for your children and think about it like, well, if I ask for a raise, I'm actually getting more money from my kids Mm -hmm. or talking about yourself in the third person. There's different ways to externalize it a little that might make you more comfortable with the prospect.
0: For those who are just joining us right now who just jumped in, I want to do a quick reset to let everybody know I'm here with Heather Hansen, and we are talking about how to advocate for yourself at work. And already within the first six minutes, I feel like we've already just started, we started already talking about all these things you want to think about. And there's going to be a lot where I hope everybody who's on here right now that you'll be able to, I guess a few things, feel inspired feel motivated, and actually know what to do, what to say to advocate for yourself. Heather, you already talked about the C-S-E-E. Okay, I want to actually go back to that because for those who are thinking about, okay, I get it. I think I know what I need to advocate for myself, but how do I make it applicable? Like, do I, okay, I know I need to talk to my manager, but how do I even say it? Like, how do I even do it? How do we get to that? Well, I think the most important thing that people
1: miss is that if you are asking for something, you've got to see things from the other person's perspective. Mm-hmm. So let's give, take the example that you just gave, your manager. You don't want to go to your manager and say, I need a raise because I need to buy a new car and I want to pay for my kid's tuition and I have worked really hard. Those things are not compelling to your manager. So you want to see the world through your manager's perspective and say, I brought this value, I did this thing, and I will do this thing that's going to help you. You want to see what's valuable to your manager, not what's valuable to you. And that really is an important piece of this. And I talk a lot in in my books and in my talks about perspective, seeing things from others' perspective, because if you don't see things from the other's perspective, you will never change their perspective. And that's what an advocate's job really is. In my years in the courtroom, I represented doctors when their patients sued them. Jessica, every single juror on every single trial that I had was a patient. They had all been to the doctor at some point in their life. I never had a doctor on my jury ever in 20 something years. Every juror had a perspective of a patient. So my job was to change their perspective. But first I had to understand it. I had to understand they are looking at this case from a patient's perspective Mm -hmm. and then speak to that. So whether you're going to your manager and asking for a raise, whether you're going to your partner and asking them to do the laundry, whether you're going to your child and asking them to eat their vegetables. See the ask from their perspective. How does it work for them? How does what you're asking for serve them? And then that's the S, the story that you want to tell.
0: It's so interesting because when it comes to communications, that is a truly a fundamental shift. And I think how all of us should be thinking about how we approach communications, because for the most, of, most part, all of us just think about just us, right? Like, okay, what does this mean for us? But if we can, and everybody who's listening right now, if you can even think about how to structure your communications about to thinking about others first, I say you're almost, if not like 80% there, because if you can, I call it, if you can gain people's attention, earn people's ears, right? If you can kind of think about it from that perspective, people will listen. They truly will. It's really about how you approach it. Yeah. Yeah. People
1: want to feel seen safe and special. If you can make them feel seen safe and special, they are going to be better listeners. They're going to be more likely to give you what you want. And my ultimate goal is to turn the people around me into my advocates to help them believe in me and what I want so strongly that then so the manager example that you gave, then your manager will go to his or her manager and advocate for you. And you will have given that person the story and the evidence and the energy to do so. But it really comes down to understanding the other person. And really, to your point, more listening than speaking, you need to get to know the other people so that you know what their perspective is so that you can actually change it.
0: And before you know it, you would have built what I call an army of supporters, right? People who will advocate for you, which Heather, I'm sure you will say people who advocate for you when you're not in the room is actually the most powerful. Yeah,
1: it's so funny that you say that. So in the courtroom, you know, I had my 12 jurors. And in my cases, since they were civil cases, they did not need to be unanimous. 10 out of 12 had to vote for me in order for me to win. But if I only had one, my hope was that one would go into the jury deliberation room and advocate for me. And sometimes one can convince two can convince three and can change the entire result of the case. So yes, our goal is to, I call it an army of advocates, but it's the same thing. You want the people around you to be advocating for you when you're not
0: even in the room. It's probably one of the most powerful, right? Cause if you think about, you know, how decisions are made, who decides promotions, like chances are, you're usually not in that room when those decisions are being made. So if you already have somebody who's on your side, who can say all these amazing things about you, then hey, you're, you're golden. I always tell folks, and this is personally speaking too. like, I grew up in a very, I grew up, I'm, I'm, I'm Asian, Asian American, I grew up in a very like traditional Eastern household. And, you know, a lot of times I remember, you know, my parents would always just say, you know, work hard, work hard, work hard, right. And as if just working hard was going to get me where I was. But I realized through time. It's not what you do, it's what you can show for it. And what we show really is up to us to show it. We can't necessarily rely on other people because people are busy too. People are thinking about their own works, thinking about their own family, thinking about their own objectives, right? You know, we can't put that advocacy on somebody else. We have to learn how to do it, but at the same time, not make it about us. So it's kind of like, it's kind of funny if you think about it that way.
1: Yeah, and I think that I totally agree. And I think that when you use this the C technique, you have a story and you have evidence. And that makes it easier for people to advocate for you. You're giving them, here's the story to tell. Here's the evidence to support that story. It's data, it's pictures, it's numbers, it's, it's audio, it's testimonials, it's... Um, ROI graphs, it's chronologies, there's all kinds of ways to yeah. present your evidence. But now they have something tangible that they don't have to do a lot of work in order to advocate mm-hmm. for you. So again, seeing it from their perspective, if I just said to you after we hang up here, hey, Jessica, would you advocate for me, you might be like, ah. but if I were to say to you, this is my story. Mm-hmm. Here's some um, sell sheets. Here's a video of me speaking. Here's some testimonials from some past clients. Put that all together in one place. Send it off to you. Now you have my story and you have evidence and you have my energy of belief and you can then go and be more likely to be able to advocate for me. So it's recognizing that you're a busy woman and you shouldn't have to go searching for all of that. And I put it together and ideally persuade
0: you to believe so strongly that you want to share those things. So for everybody thinking about how they can advocate for themselves it's also kind of having actually one of my favorite tips is i always tell folks you know if if you don't know where to you know take find that evidence sometimes just creating i call it a yay folder yay like you know whenever somebody's saying hey good job in an email or congratulations anytime somebody's saying something positive about you and your work just put that email into that yay folder so anytime you need a boost of confidence some evidence that you're doing an awesome job, you just open that folder and there's your evidence right there. Do you have any other tips like that, Heather? Yeah, it's
1: beautiful because I actually do that with a little bit of a tweak to it. When someone starts coaching with me, the first thing that happens is they get this beautiful journal that on the front would say, Jessica's evidence journal. I love and that. I ask her every day to write down three pieces of evidence every day. And this is important. And I'll get to why three pieces of evidence of your strength, your resilience, your ability to learn your talents, your passion. And some days it's going to be hard. Some days, say today, for example, my best thing might be I figured out how to get on to this technology and that. And then I so that's what I did. Right. And then it's evidence of my ability to figure things out my ability to deal with technology, my ability to stay cool under pressure. So not only do I have the thing, but I let let it lay out what it is evidence of. And then when I am looking for that job or feeling down about myself or applying for that job or trying to persuade myself that I'm good enough for something, I look at my evidence journal and I have tons of
0: evidence that supports me. It's, it's kind of a mind shift, honestly, when you think about advocating for yourself, and I think that's where it starts. I actually want to uh, get a quick temperature check of our audience right now, because and this is a question for those who are listening. who are By the way, there's over 90 of you all live listening right now, which is fantastic. So my question for you all is, and throw it into the chat function. I'm curious, if you have ever thought about advocating for yourself, or if you've ever stood up and advocated for yourself. I'm curious, what are some of the emotions that you have felt at the time of speaking and speaking up, throw it into the chat function. And it can be like a one word or a few words, but I'm very curious to get people's thoughts on when they were in that moment of maybe wanting to, or when they were actually doing it, what were some of the feelings associated with it? You know, I think about the the times where I had to stand up and advocate for myself too. And the first words I think of is just feeling utterly nervous. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, Heather. How have you felt before? Oh, absolutely. I've absolutely
1: felt nervous. But I think that, you know, there's that line that says the nervousness is the fine line between nervousness and excitement. And so I like to think of that as well. But I also you know, there's stories that we tell ourselves. And if we tell ourselves the story that we're nervous, there's plenty of evidence to support that story. And then you start to believe that story and it doesn't really serve you. So I will often tell myself the story that I am excited, that I am anticipating something good, that I am enthusiastic, that I am revved up. And there's evidence to support that story as well. And then I'll collect that evidence and repeat that evidence to allow me to believe something different. But I also, I have a practical tip as well, because I have done quite a bit of television in my time. And I used to, in the um, makeup chair, sometimes feel that nervousness. And just naturally, without really thinking about it, just. I would often grab onto my thumb like this and never knowing anything about it. And then I went to a spa in Arizona and they, at the spa, they taught us something called ginshin and it's an ancient Japanese acupressure. And one of the things that they taught and they teach in ginshin is this hold for anxiety. So if you're feeling anxious, you can grab onto your thumb with the other hand and apply pressure. And it's supposed to calm down your anxiety. It's similar to sucking your thumb, which I did when I was little. So maybe I relate to that. So, you know, many of you are saying, flustered, anxious, frustrated. And so when you're feeling those things, there's different ways to overcome it. And one of them, we can talk about others, of course, but one of them is just to simply do this jinshin practice where you just apply some pressure to your thumb and no one has to see, you know, I could be doing it right here if I was nervous. And it does, for me, calms things down quite a bit.
0: It's so interesting because I'm reading a lot of the feelings that people are saying, you know, Patty, you said fear, imposter, Sandra, anxious, right? And just scrolling down, you know, everybody is having that, again, it's very similar to this like, you know, trepidation, right? Um, Fear, nervous, frustration, right? I have to fight for something I deserve. And therefore, there's that nervousness. Advocating is so it's so hard to do, right? But it's like, we all know, it's so important. Um, Rejection. So I want to actually, that's a great point. And I think we should talk about rejection, because part of advocating for yourself is dealing with potential rejection. You may get rejected. So I'll go first, Heather. You know, when it comes to rejection, I always say, you know, even though you were said or told no that first time, it doesn't necessarily mean the case is closed, right? Maybe the timing, the circumstances, maybe you just caught your manager, for example, at the wrong time. But it doesn't necessarily mean you just stop advocating or stop advocating for that one thing. You've got to keep trying and approaching it in different ways. Heather, what are some tips or do you agree or what are your thoughts on that? I do.
1: I So let's take like a bigger step back so I can explain something that's sort of vital to this conversation. I often say we all have our jury. So if you're advocating for a raise, your jury might be your manager. If you're advocating for an investment, your jury is the investors. If you're advocating to make a sale, your jury is your clients or your customers. Those are the people that you want to help them to believe. But we all have an inner jury. And a lot of times people say, oh, yeah, that's my judgmental part. No, a jury's job is to listen and to choose. So your inner jury, when faced with rejection, is often choosing the story. This is terrible. This is a threat to my security. This is a threat to my life. I'm terrible. I'm not worthwhile. That is something that your inner jury is choosing to believe about rejection. I would like you to offer your inner jury a different story and then advocate for that story to your inner jury, to the part of you that decides what to believe. So if I've lost some cases, not a lot, but I've lost some cases. And so I could, and that's rejection, right? They rejected me. They rejected my client. They rejected my case. They rejected my months, years of work. That one loss could be, I could have quit the law, right? Because I felt so rejected. I had to be able to tell myself a different story about it. So sometimes the story that I would tell is that this is the best I've learned so much from this case about juries, and about witnesses, and about how to present different people in different ways, and about how to see things from a jury's perspective, and about what cases we should settle. I mean, there's so much I could tell myself a story about learning. I also have told myself the story, well, the other side, in this case, the woman who Won the case, she's going to use that money to do X, Y, and Z to change the world. That story made me feel better about the rejection. I also often would tell myself the story that they weren't rejecting me. They were rejecting my case. They were rejecting the case that we put forward. And I think for the listeners, for the audience, that's what's probably the best way for you to approach it. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting the story you told about how you can help them. Mm -hmm. So go back and tweak your story. Collect more evidence. Use what you've learned from the fact that you didn't get it this time to go back and advocate for yourself again with a different jury or a little bit more effectively or with new evidence or with a renewed energy of belief. But rejection is not, it's just a moment in time and you
0: always have another moment. I think a lot of times this is, I was just thinking about this as you were talking about stories, you know, sometimes people are like, okay, I get stories, but I don't understand how do I communicate stories? Is it, do I start with like once upon a time? No, it's not like that kind of story. You know, story is essentially just talking about your experience, right? Your experience and how it made you feel. And this is relevant to the everyday work that you all do already, right? You know, what's the experience of you working with that client? What did they say? What did you say? How did you all troubleshoot? That's a story. Yeah. So it's not like having to say, and, and you know, it's not like a whole once upon a time kind of thing, but it's like how you've experienced that moment or that opportunity, right? That's a story. So one of the things I wanted to essentially pivot to is your, your second E, which is energy. I don't think we've talked too much about that yet, but what do you mean by energy, Heather? I think it'd be really good for people to understand.
1: I, it's the most important part of of the C technique too, because it's the energy of belief. So in the courtroom, people will often say to me when I tell them what I, what I've done in my, in my career, they say, what do you do if you know your doctor's guilty? And first of all, we don't use that word. It's negligent in civil cases, but the truth is if I know that my doctor made a mistake and that mistake caused the patient some harm. I will find a different thing to argue to the jury. It might be to say, yes, we made a mistake, but it's not worth the millions of dollars the other side wants, or yes, we made a mistake, but you have to decide the value of that and what it actually is going to cost. But I'm never ever going to argue something that I don't believe because the jury would not buy it. They would feel my energy that I didn't actually believe what I was saying and that I would never win. You can't prove something until you believe it. So you've got to, you know, so many people here said that I'm nervous, I'm afraid I'm going to get rejected. If you believe and you've collected your evidence and you know your story and you go in believing that you have earned and you have value in exchange for what you're asking for, that energy of belief becomes contagious. Not only do the others believe, but they actually want to go out and take your energy of belief and advocate for you. So it's really important that you persuade yourself And your inner jury first
0: how does somebody get over that I call it sometimes we have like that negative mental chatter in our own head where we tell ourselves "Mm, maybe I don't deserve this maybe next time right we give ourselves excuses how do we know whether we should be listening to that voice or not Well, you've got to look at the evidence,
1: right? You've got to really collect the evidence and create the evidence and play with it. So let me give you an example. If someone is brand new at a job and they are looking for um, they want this huge raise at the end of their first year you probably don't have the evidence to support that you have created enough value to get that huge raise. Now you might, you might have landed this biggest client, you might have brought in the biggest deal, then you have the evidence. But you probably don't have the evidence. And so if you don't have the evidence, then you know that it might be too soon. So you want to collect evidence, you want to every day be looking for how am I valuable to this place? How am I valuable to my manager? How can I create more valuable for this place and my manager? And then you want to Create the evidence so that next year you can ask for that raise. If, on the other hand, you're looking at the evidence and it's all there, and the problem is that you don't have that energy of belief, you've got to persuade your inner jury with the evidence that you absolutely should be asking for the thing. But it all comes down to that evidence. You need to weigh the evidence, you need to collect it, you need to look for it, you need to create it, and then you need to use it to help you to decide what to believe. And then what to help others to believe.
0: I almost feel like we, everybody, you know, we all kind of have a sense of whether or not this is something we should ask for. And kind of like you said, yes, when you're into a job and asking for a a big promotion, perhaps most of us inside would be like, yeah, that probably wouldn't be the best idea. But if you are perhaps a few years in, done amazing kick-ass work, you probably know, Maybe it is time for me to say something. Maybe it is time. And I would say you leverage that energy to propel you to be like, you know what? I am gonna make this happen. I am gonna make that ask. Right. And it's almost you have to tell yourself that, right? Like, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna be great at it. I'm gonna feel confident walking into my one o'clock meeting with my manager and I'm gonna ask for it. And I know confidence is one of those things that's like, ugh, you know, sometimes like You have to believe it too. But like you said, Heather, a lot of it is like a mental thing of like saying, you know what? I do deserve it. I have been working so hard. I have done all this work. I should be asking for this versus should I? Right. And
1: I think that we we need to go back to that point, though, if I've been working so hard, is not what's going to resonate with your outer jury. So you really need to think about, I have given them this much in value. I've brought in this many clients. I've saved them this many hours that they are then working on bringing in clients. Really think about the story and the evidence from their perspective so that you can really make them care. You know, they need to understand how you are valuable to them, whether it's for applying for a job, looking for a promotion, looking for a raise. So yes, when you're persuading yourself, Part of the evidence is the number of hours you've put in. But the bigger evidence for persuading someone else is how it impacts them. Always be trying to see things from the other person's perspective. What do, why do they care? Why should they care? Why should they care you want to raise? Why should they care that if you don't get a raise, you might go somewhere else? What would they lose if they were losing you? And then that's where you're telling that story and collecting that evidence. And as you do that, that's a big part of it, right? If you were to say, what would they be losing if they lost me? You start to recognize that, man, they'd really be losing out if they lost me. And now I feel really motivated to ask for this raise because if they don't have me,
0: they are in big trouble. And that really increases your energy of belief. And it's not approaching it in in a threatening way whatsoever, right? We're not threatening anybody here. It's more like, hey, you know what? And I get it. Like, maybe you didn't see how much work I put in. But let me show you. Let me remind you, right? And that's like, perhaps like the word is gentle. Perhaps it's a gentle way to approach it. But it's also getting people to be receptive to what you're saying, right? We're not going in saying I demand anything. But let me show you how amazing I really am.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. If you look at it from the other person's perspective, a demand is going to turn them off right away, mm-hmm. right? So you want to go in, and sometimes it's asking questions. What do you see as the value that I've brought this year? And let them start. And then you say, that is. I I agree with all of that. I think I have good evidence of that. Let me show you the other things that I've brought to this business. Let me show you the value in all of these different ways. Do it with numbers. Do it with stories. Do it with pictures. Do it with testimonials. Do it with uh, other members of your team speaking up for you. But yes, you want to be gentle about it, because you want to speak to the other person's perspective, no one likes someone coming in rattling the cages and asking for demanding things. But you know, if you if you ask for things, and if you're really well aware that without you, they will have it would be a big loss, that gives you a lot more confidence, a lot more energy of belief that it is completely appropriate. I coached a woman, this is an outrageous number. But she made 10 times what she invested in coaching with me in the, the first year of our coaching in her compensation increase. But it was because for years and years and years, she wasn't asking for the bonuses and raises that she was due. And we just looked together at the evidence. And once she did, she was like, oh, my gosh, I need to ask. And then mm-hmm. she did, and they just gave it to her, and it was easy peasy. But the thing is that you need to really look at those numbers and sometimes get a little bit fired up about it, not in an angry way, yeah. but in a confident and belief way, so that then you're motivated enough to go in and
0: share that information with your jury. Yeah. Sometimes you kind of need that fire a little bit to be like, you know what? no way I, I don't I'm not gonna just stand here and like not say anything I have to say something sometimes that energy like you said can give you that push and that boost um going on, on that you know it's really making sure that you align align objectives too and I think that's a good way to also frame how you approach these conversations like making sure that you know what the person you're speaking to what did yeah what do they care about perhaps you can frame your messaging so that you can speak to the things that they care about. So therefore they listen. So Heather, I have a, a very specific and technical question. If we are fired up and ready to want to ask for something, do we actually say in an email, for example, I want to schedule an email or a a meeting with you because I want to talk about A, B or C, or do you just kind of like spring it on them? What's your approach?
1: So there are studies that show, especially with the C-suite, the people who are leaders, people who are very busy, people who are in power, that they prefer to have context for meetings before you go into the meeting. So what I suggest for my clients is to send the email and say, I'd like to sit down with you this week. I'd like to talk about compensation. Here's a memo that lays out in with all of your evidence in your memo. Here's a memo that lays out some of my thoughts. And the memo doesn't say I deserve more money. The memo says I brought in five clients this year. I increased our billable hours to this number this year. I myself billed this much this year. I sold this many of our product. I um, brought in new employees who have stayed and contributed more. The team um, regularly says that I am the best team member as far as team morale. All the evidence that you have, you know, and then one of the things that I teach my clients is, um, it's called the nine X, nine W. There is research that shows that you have to repeat something nine times before it actually resonates with your audience. And I always say, if I repeat something nine times in front of the jury, they're just gonna hate me. So I believe you have to do it nine times, nine ways. So what are nine ways that you can share your evidence? So maybe in your document, you have a graph, you have a chronology, you have a picture, you have an audio memo, you know, find different ways to share that information and then send it ahead of time so that they can be prepared, so that they can come in with their questions, so that they can, maybe they want to then bring someone into the meeting who's going to be needed in order to give the, the okay for what you're asking for. But yes, you want to give them the context ahead of time so that they can be ready for that meeting and ready to question you if they have to, but also give you what it is that you need.
0: I think you're spot on with that. A lot of people are like, yeah, do I say it? Do I, you know, do I prepare them for it? And I usually like to say, it's better to set people's expectations Versus just kind of surprising them, especially in the professional world. Nobody generally likes to be surprised unless it's like amazing news. So something like this is better to prepare somebody for that conversation. So like you said, Heather, your manager or whoever you're talking to, they're prepared for it. So I want to, um, on in that same note, advocating for yourself isn't just asking for promotions or a or, or raise. Advocating for yourself is also advocating for an idea that yep. you have. An idea that you think would be great for the team to adopt. How do you apply, can you apply C into an idea, not just promotion or a raise? Absolutely. And
1: you can apply, you can apply this to anything that you want, right? Anything that you're advocating for. So in this week's podcast, I did a podcast on how to advocate for change. If you want to change something at your, at your office, or if you want to, let's, let's do this. If you want to change something for yourself. So I had a client who wanted to spend more time on what she called thought leadership, which Mm -hmm. meant that she wanted to spend more time reading and writing and preparing speeches and that kind of thing. And so that was the thing that she wanted to change. So then I asked her that the first step is to identify what is it that you want to change. The second step is to identify what are the behaviors that are holding her back. And the thing that was holding her back was she was taking meetings from anyone who asked for them, and that was making it so she didn't have enough time for the things that she wanted to be doing. So then the next step is what is the story that you're telling yourself about this thing that the things that you're doing. The story she was telling herself is that she had to take meetings or people would think she was a jerk. People would think that she was arrogant. People would think that she wasn't helpful. People wouldn't think that she wasn't accessible. And so that behavior was serving her. Mm-hmm. So we had to come up with a new idea to your point about advocating for an idea. We had to come up with a new story that would work for her. So I said to her, could you tell yourself the story? That taking fewer meetings would actually make you more valuable, more accessible, make people like you more. And she said she could try. And then we collected evidence together to support that story. And it turned out that when she took fewer meetings, she was more present in the meetings, she was more enthusiastic in the meetings, she had better ideas in the meetings, that people felt like if they had to wait for a meeting, the meeting was actually a little bit more valuable. Mm -hmm. And as she collected that evidence, she started to believe it, and then she was able to make that change. So that was advocating for an idea that perhaps it's better to take fewer meetings And then we got to work creating and collecting evidence. And there's a difference. Collecting evidence is looking out into the world. For her, that's looking at your colleagues. Do any of them take fewer meetings? And are they still well liked? That's collecting evidence to support this idea. And then creating evidence is, let's try it. Take fewer meetings for a week and see if the world falls apart. See if Mm -hmm. anyone says that you're a jerk. And so the two of these things, collecting and creating evidence, allowed her to advocate for this new idea to herself. And you can do the same for someone else. If you wanna make a change at work, collect and create evidence that supports the story of that change.
0: A lot of it is really, and I, and I have to go back to this, it's, it's really getting into the mindset. It's really a mindset. And even though, you know, Heather, you and I are talking about all these tips and tricks of what to say, how to say it, it really just starts with you believing, you believing you deserve it. Totally right. Totally right.
1: I have my psychology degree. And I always say that that helped me more than anything else in the courtroom, you know, understanding where people's motivations are, what they believe, what they believe about themselves, it makes such a huge difference. And I always say your inner jury, you know, Ethan Cross, I had him on my podcast, he wrote a book called Shatter about the different, he's a psychologist at the University of Michigan, very famous psychologist. And his book is all about all the voices in our heads that are constantly going on and telling different stories. And which stories are you going to believe? And so I always say the inner jury is that beautiful special part of you that chooses what to believe so you've got to give that inner jury a story that serves you because so often we are spending our days giving our inner jury a story of fear and not enough and rejection and nervousness and frustration and it's not going to work and negativity we've got to at least give equal time to the opposing attorney in our head for something positive yeah
0: I can't believe we've been chatting for almost 45 minutes now. And I feel like we can go on and on. Now, I want to just, again, open it up to the folks who are here right now. If you have any questions, specific questions for Heather and I about advocating for yourself or how to approach it in your specific case, please throw it into the chat function. I want to share one story about how I advocated for myself and how that ended up going. And this was early on in my career when I was a former TV journalist. And at the time... I really wanted to have my own business show. I was always interested in business and I was like, oh, how cool would it be to have my own business show. So I knew if I wanted to make that ask, advocate for myself, I had to of course approach my manager. And I remember I remember this this so distinctly it's all I feel like a lot of times when it's an emotion that's so you know charged, you remember those things and I remember I got on the phone with my manager, and I essentially pitched this idea. And his answer, he actually said no. And I remember at the time, I was like, oh my gosh, he rejected my idea. And this was something that I wanted so bad. I thought about it constantly. And I felt so dejected. I was like, he, 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 he said no. But I remember at that moment, I was like, wait, no. He might've said no that one time, but let me try again. So a month later, i reframed the way i approached it kind of using a lot of the same things we talked about today heather right thinking about the other person aligning objectives right so for example specifically in this case so i knew what what did my manager care about well he was worried about budget and time right because he as a manager he needs to make sure that if i'm going and doing this business stuff is it going to take me away from other critical work that he needs me to do well so i asked myself those questions like okay I know he cares about this. I know he cares about that. How can I make sure I align objectives? So I did. I basically reframed my whole pitch, and truthfully, I mean, honestly, a month later, I got it. And yeah. that's the thing. It's like you—you you, first of all, you can't take that initial no as like, okay, forget it. It's wait a second. How can I do better? Yeah. I just wanted to share this with folks because it happens to all of us, right? I don't know how if you have a, a story or anything like that, but you know, it's it's not dwelling and i think that's that's really important.
1: Yeah, i mean my my clients i have so many stories i have stories of my own i have stories from my clients but i think your story is a great one because you went back you allowed that rejection You reframe your story and collect more evidence, collect evidence that this isn't going to take my time, collect evidence that this isn't going to take my energy, evidence that speaks to him and his concerns, what he wants. And so your story is a perfect one to sort of set the example for how this can be done and how what we think is rejection is really just the opportunity to change your story and collect more evidence.
0: There was one question that we got earlier, and I can't find it right now. But this person was asking, how hard should we be pushing for something when we know that maybe they're not open to it? Like, how do we know? How do we find that balance?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that there you usually feel it inside your gut, right? But I think that you've got to, if you have the evidence, and you have the story, and you go in and support it, and then you get a no, you have to look at and understand where the no is coming from. I think one of the best questions, questions are magic. You know, questions are the one of the main tools of an advocate. So can I can you help me to understand why the answer is no? Can you help me to understand what I could do to make the answer be yes? Can you help me to understand what steps I can take today, this year, this month to get closer to a yes? All of those questions are fabulous questions, because it helps you to create evidence that first of all, for you that that's even possible. And if your person that you're asking won't give you the answers to those questions, then it might be time to go look somewhere else. You know, that's also evidence. It's also really important to be willing to say, if you're not being recognized for the value that you bring where you are, then you need to start creating a story and evidence and energy for a new jury. And that's important to know as well. But I think that, too, I mean, your story is really valuable to look at because you went back and you looked at it a little bit closer from the other's perspective. But if you do that and they say no and they won't answer your questions or they give you things that you think are out of reach,
0: then it's time to look at other opportunities. Exactly. There's one question that just came in. And I think it's actually a really good one. This is from Martine. How do you advocate for yourself when the manager doesn't want you to get that raise just because maybe you'll make close to what they're making. That's an interesting one, very specific.
1: Yeah, it is an interesting one. And it really depends on what's the chain of command at your business, right? So if you've got a manager, and then you've got people above the manager who ultimately makes the decision of what you make, if the manager makes the decision, and it never goes any higher in the chain of command, then you then you've hit a hit a wall, right? And you can ask her those questions, you can say, what will it take for me to make more? Explain to me what it is that I'm not doing to hit that number? And what specific steps I can take? I would like to document some of that in writing because it's always nice. The lawyer in me always wants to have some of that in writing. And then you can, and if she or he is telling you, won't answer those questions, then you have two options. You can either go to a leader that is higher up in the chain of command to say, I am understanding that a raise is not gonna happen for me this year or not the number that I've asked for. I would like to know how I can make sure that my growth plan is on target, that I'm contributing to the value of this organization, that I'm doing things that are valuable for this organization. Can you let me know what what metrics do I have to meet? What evidence do I have to present next year in order Mm -hmm. to get that? But if you can't go above that person on the chain of command, then it might be time to start collecting your evidence for a different jury
0: it's what you said earlier, Heather, it's making sure that you can ask these questions too, and not necessarily always assuming these things. And just being like, yeah, like you said, like, what can I do to place myself or put myself in a position so I can get that raise. And now you're essentially throwing it over to them. Okay, we are about to wrap up here, which I feel like this time just flew. Okay, so Heather, if we were to, if you were to walk, If you want our guests to or our our audience to walk away with any, I call them golden nuggets of what you would like them to remember about how to advocate for themselves. What's one or two things you really want them to think about?
1: I just want them to think about the C technique. What's my story? What's my evidence? What's my energy? Tell a story that resonates with the jury, not with you. You might love your story. But you've got to really think about it from the perspective of the people you want to persuade, the people who you want to help to believe. So that's a story piece. And then what's my evidence? You want to collect and create evidence that support the story, again, from your jury's perspective. What evidence is going to speak to them? And then what's my energy? If my energy is down, if I'm not in belief, if I'm feeling doubt, I need to change that before I make my ask. Because if I go in and I'm like, I really think I deserve a raise, that is never going to be effective. So I want the audience to remember the C technique. And then the thing that I really want everyone to know is no one can advocate for you as well as you can. No one. No one has your energy. No one has your passion. No one has your talent. No one knows what you want. No one knows why you want it. So you have everything you need to be your own best advocate, you just need to practice these skills, just like any other skill that you learn at school. This is a skill that can be learned, and you can get good at it. So just start practicing that C technique.
0: Everybody who is on this right now, you know, I can confidently say that we're all here because we do want to learn how to better advocate for us our, for ourselves. So whether you have been advocating, or now you're just starting to think about what do I need to do? my hope is and this is what i said at the beginning of today's show was i hope everybody can walk away feeling either motivated inspired or at least know how to think about this and if that's how we spent the last hour and you felt any of these things then i feel i mean heather and i think we both feel that we're just so glad that you're able to feel hopefully even just a little bit more confident on how to approach it my last tip for everybody and i have said this earlier is when you do advocate for yourself, and let's say you do get that no, you do get that rejection, don't necessarily think it's game over, maybe give it some time, maybe go back and you know, rethink how you want to approach it. But maybe it's not because it's the worst idea. It's maybe because it just wasn't the right time. But don't think it's the end. And I hope everybody can remember that. Because many things that I, I personally were, was able to, you know, fortunately achieve, get whatever was because I followed up with it. So I hope everybody can just remember that. So Heather, how can people find you? How can they get in contact with you? Please share with the audience. The best way to
1: find me is my website. It's Heather Hansen presents and it's EN as you can see there. So Heather You'll see my books. The, my podcast is the elegant warrior. This week's episode, people are loving. They're like asking for transcripts of it. It's how to advocate for change. And on Monday, the episode is going to be how to make people believe. And that includes those people include yourself. So my, my podcast is called the elegant warrior. And my first book is The Elegant Warrior. And that book was an Amazon bestseller. It's a great primer on how to get started
0: in this stuff. I love that. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're inspired to begin improving your communications confidence, well, we'd love to help. Join our monthly communications membership, where I teach a brand new communications workshop every single month. Or... Become a VIP member to access our best communications articles for life. Or maybe get one-on-one coaching with one of our board of communicators. We offer so many ways for you to learn, and it's all housed on our website, soulcastmedia.com. Check it out, and happy communicating.